0: Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at antiochatx.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. I want to start this morning with a question. Uh, How many of you are instruction readers? Okay. Wow. Less than I thought. How many of you have a need-to-know basis with instructions? Right. You you feel the need to know after what you try didn't work. Right. So there's kind of really two camps when it comes to instructions, people that read instructions and then usually execute tasks more efficiently and build things rightly. And then people that don't read instructions, but also have a way of getting things done just in their own way. Right. I mean, there's kind of two camps Instruction readers and those who have a need-to-know relationship with instructions. And be honest with you, true confession here, I'm more of a need-to-know basis instruction guy person. I like to dive into things thinking that I know what I need to do and oftentimes find myself in need of the very instructions I felt I did not need because I really want to be a guy who is a fixer. You know, like anybody have that desire to be kind of like Wes Bolt? You guys know Wes Bolt? Like fixes everything. He's like shows up and fixes stuff, you know. Like he shows up there. Wes is here. He shows up with like tools that you've never even seen to things that I didn't even know I was going to need tools. You know, like we we're helping the odds move in, and he's like, "Hold on, I've got a, I've got like a an impact drill in my truck." I'm like, "What?" I don't even know what an impact drill is, and he's, like, packing heat with the impact drill to help people move. I want to be like that. You know, like, I want to be the guy that's like, I know how to do it. I don't need instructions. I can figure it out. I mean, this has kind of followed me around my whole life. And and when we moved to Austin, we wanted to replace some chandeliers in our house, right? We wanted you know, Liz was like, hey, let's change this and take this one down. Now, I'm thinking, I'm West Bolt. I can do this. Like, I got tools. I can make it happen. She's like, do we need to pay anybody? I'm like, no, babe, save your money. I am a fixer. I can do this. I can put up a chandelier. So I don't read any instructions. I don't look at a thing. I heard one time that if you turn the power off from the switch, that you're not going to die. So I did that and I just dove in head first, dove in, Drill, zut, 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 Take a take the a chandelier down. Don't even know how I figured out how to do that, but I got that one down. Got the new one right. Start hanging it up. Now I'm winging it, 100% winging it, just going for it. Oh, this looks simple. This just hooks here. This drills in here. It attaches to this thing. Not a problem, right? So I get it all hung up, and I'm like, wow, I did it. Until you know, it's like 20 minutes in, I'm like. Wow. Amazing. Way to go, Griff. You are a fixer. You know, I'm excited about it. Now, the way this chandelier works is that, like, the plate that actually hides all of the cords isn't, like, cup-shaped like a lot of them are. This one is flat, like, almost flush to the ceiling. What that means is you need to know the instructions because I went to try to put the plate on, and I realized this plate is not going to attach at all. So I do what all people that have a need-to-know relationship with instructions do. I begin to slam my fist into the plate because force always fixes problems. Right? It anybody else? Any people who try to like, okay, if it didn't go up gently, then maybe I can get it up there forcefully. So I'm like slamming it in There's sheetrock falling on my face. Okay, now the sun has gone down. It's dark. I can't see. I got a flashlight in my mouth. I still haven't looked at the instructions because... I think I'm right there. I'm so close. I take it all the way down. I put it back up. I shorten the cords. I shorten the wires. I do all these things. And cannot figure it up. Now my arms are numb. I can't feel my fingers because I've been standing like this for like an hour. Finally, go to the instructions. Page one, very simple. First step. I had placed the base plate on upside down. So I just flipped that. 10 minutes, two hours of frustration, yelling at my kids, yelling at my wife, mad at everybody, hated my house, punched holes in things, right? All because I had done one thing wrong, and I just didn't read the instructions. I wonder how many things in our life are harder than they're supposed to be because we're going after them wrong. I wonder how many things... In our daily lives, in our journey to becoming more like Jesus is more difficult, feels more challenging than it really needs to be because we're going after it wrong. Last week, we talked about the fact that the loops in our lives, our addictions, our sin patterns, create labels over our lives, right? Loops equal labels. And what we talked about is the fact that Jesus came to disrupt our loops and give us a new Label, He says you are chosen and not forsaken. So he interrupts our loop. Jesus is the great loop disruptor. But the truth is, is that even after Jesus has disrupted our loop, we still have a fight for transformation. Have you encountered this fight? You experience the hope of Jesus, the reality of his freedom and what he's made away for you. And then you wake up on Monday morning and you're like, did any of that happen? Because I still feel like I did before it happened. Because this is also a loop. I want to call it, for the sake of our conversation this morning, the loop of transformation. And it looks like this. You have the love of God. You encounter the power, the hope, and the grace that Jesus made a way for us on the cross But the reality is we have patterns. Some of those patterns are broken and some old habits die hard. And so we sin. We choose those things that sometimes we even hate, things that separate us from God. But God, in his grace and being the great loop disruptor, he gave us through the cross of Jesus the power to experience forgiveness. But the truth is that this loop, if we're honest... Is incomplete. Because although this is true, we feel another step. Humanity feels another step. We feel that there's distance between our sin and his forgiveness. There's this gap. Have you ever done something and you kind of define it as This is a three weeks of isolation sin, right? Like you really screwed up, you you did something that you know you shouldn't have done, and you're like, wow, I can't go back to church. I can't even pray until you've created this thing in your mind like, I've got to give myself like a month of suffering before I can come back to church, right? That space between sin and forgiveness is a human-created response of brokenness that we're going to define as distance. And what I want us to talk about this morning is how in the world do we close this gap from sin to forgiveness and maybe experience the power of the love of God in a way that we've never imagined before because we could be approaching him, we could be approaching transformation wrong. And what I want us to do is to dive into 1 John 2. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn it to 1 John 2. 1 John 2 says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. Here's what I want us to get today. If you hear nothing else that I say, I want you to hear this statement. Because I believe this statement creates for us the miss. It creates for us the miss in our distance between the reality of our sin and the forgiveness of Jesus. And it is this. We think that we have to resist sin To be able to receive the love of God. We think that we have to resist sin to be able to receive the love of God. But it's actually in receiving the love of God that gives us what we need to be able to resist sin. I'm gonna say that one more time. If you're a note taker, I love you, and I want you to write this down. We think we resist sin, excuse me, we think that we have to resist sin to be able to receive the love of God. But it's in receiving the love of God that gives us what we need so that we can resist sin. Listen to the passage one more time. Do not love the world or anything in the world. And if anyone loves the world, The love of the Father is not in them. This this fight to resist temptation, the the temptations of the flesh, the the, the desires in us that, that are sickening even to us is a fight to receive. Our fight to resist is actually a fight to receive. We receive the love of God to be able to resist the sin That he wants to free us from. Jesus would often talk about this. Because this is a human mess. And Jesus being very fully totally God. But also fully man was aware. That humanity had created a loop. And he wanted to disrupt that loop. And tell us you are doing it wrong. And one of those moments actually happened in Luke 15. Luke 15, Jesus finds himself surrounded by a group of people that would have been known as those who had their labels that their loops had created on the outside. These were people of reputation. These were tax collectors and sinners the bible tells us they they were mobsters and prostitutes these were not the people that you're supposed to associate with like there was this stigma an aura that the religious of the day carried which was a separation between the reality of people and the brokenness of the world and, and, and so Jesus was hanging out with these tax collectors and sinners, and there's these side conversations that start to emerge from the religious, the churchgoers, if we're just going to keep it honest, the churchgoers of the day, and they're like, can you believe this guy? Like, how in the world can he associate with them? Because sin equals distance. Like, why would you want to get close to sin and create distance? Like, even being close to people that have sin is going to create distance because they were living by a false loop. And so Jesus starts to tell some stories that are going to expose the you're doing it wrong principle that sin creates distance that we have to try to figure out our way through the distance to get to forgiveness. And one of those stories is the story of the prodigal son. I love this story. It's in Luke 15. It starts in verse 11. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country, basically Vegas, (laughs) and squandered his wealth on wild living in Texas Hold'em. And after he had spent everything... There was a severe famine. The economy fell out, 2008. And the whole country began to have need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who had sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. And when he came... To his senses, he said, how many in my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father. And I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up. And went to his father. I want you to look at the response of the son. He thinks I'm unworthy. So I have to work. I'm unworthy. My actions have made me unworthy. So I'm going to go and work. I'm going to try to work my way through the distance into Forgiveness, because within this loop, if we just kind of extend down distance, how we perceive that we're going to get through the distance of our sin to the forgiveness of Jesus is that we think that we have to work our way into being worthy. we think that the way through our distance is to work ourselves from being unworthy into being worthy work equals worthy i mean we know this principle we we do this all the time you screw up at work right and you're like wow i've got to do something that's going to put me back in good graces with my boss right i made a mistake so i need to do something that's going to correct His understanding, her understanding of me, because we like to work our way back into being worthy. You screw up with your spouse. You're like, man, I've got to get some flowers or something to smooth this over. I need to do something that's going to close the gap, right? I've got to work my way back to being worthy. And and the truth is, is that we then project this very same principle on God. And so you're like, man, I screwed up. I looked at porn again. I have to do something to work my way back to being okay with God. I've got to close the gap between my sin and his forgiveness, this distance. I've got to do something. I've got to work my way back into being worthy of experiencing the love of God. And so I've got to do something. Right? You, 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 you're, you're not honest at work. You're, you're stealing from your company. You're like, man, I'm never going to do that again. And then you do it again, and you're like, man, I've got to do something. I've got to work my way back into being worthy. And we project this broken loop onto our relationship with God because we are very clear that our sin creates distance, that there's this gap. And we've got to make our way through the gap. Jesus in this story is getting ready to declare over us and over the, everyone that was listening that day, "You're doing it wrong. You are doing it wrong. The younger son in this story deserved to be completely rejected by his family. He went to his father and basically said, you're as good as dead to me. Go ahead and give me what you're going to give me so I can go live the way that I want to live. I mean, this is the conversation that happened between the son and the father. Can you imagine the rejection, the pain? I don't want to associate with you anymore. Give me what's mine and I'm going to go live the way that I want to live. He, he wasted his money on horrible decisions. He squandered everything that he had on a lifestyle that led him to the place that he was in. He deserved to be where he was. He deserved to work his way back. He deserved it. That's what his actions created for him. And Jesus is getting ready to disrupt this misunderstanding of our loop of transformation when he says, but while he was still a long way off, in verse 15, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, quick, Bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring a fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. And so they began to celebrate. Wait. No, I don't know about you, but this does not feel right. I mean, shouldn't the father at least go to his son and be like, why did you do that? Like, give him just like a little look or something? You know, like, you know, just that little look that you can give your kids and be like, he didn't know, like, I don't understand. Like, wait, no. Shouldn't he get like a spanking? Shouldn't, Shouldn't like, for like at least three weeks he have to work? You know, like, make him do something. Someone's got to close the gap. Someone has to do something Because this doesn't make any sense. Like how in the world can the father look completely past everything that was said, that was hurtful to his family, everything that he did that earned him this place of groveling his way back? How in the world can the father look completely past everything that this son did? I mean, and how long was it until the dad was on the dance floor doing the Dougie? It says like, and they celebrated. It's like immediate. It's immediate. It's like we're doing a party. He's back. He's dead. He's alive. We're celebrating. There's no this like, wait here. I want you to feel the shame coming on you. There was none of that. It was a total different response than we thought he would get. Because we're living from this loop. That we have to close this gap between our sin and the Father's forgiveness. And our understanding of how to get from our sin to the Father's forgiveness is to work our way into being worthy. And Jesus, through this story, is letting everyone know that the Father in heaven has made a gap-closing gap closing decision. The Father in heaven has made a way for the gap from our sin to God's forgiveness to be closed. Because here's what's true. There is a gap. It matters how we live. We make decisions that have real consequences. And some of those consequences are earth-shattering. reality Shifting, Man, it matters how we live. It, it really matters because it affects not only our ability to experience the life of heaven here on earth, but how to give it away to those around us and our family and our friends. And it matters how we live. There is a gap between our sin and the forgiveness of God. Isaiah 59 clearly defines it for us that our iniquities separate us from God. Our iniquity separates us from God. Our sin... Has literally hidden his face from us and he can't even hear us. Our sin separates us from God. There's a space between our sin and God's forgiveness. But how we get there is not from working our way into being worthy. It's by receiving the work of the worthy one. Bill Heibel says it best when he said, "The space between our performance and God's perfection is the work that Jesus did for us on the cross. The space between our performance and God's perfection is closed by the work. That Jesus did on the cross. So, Jesus made a way for us to go from sin to forgiveness, into the love of the Father, because the gap of the distance that our sin has created was erased by the work of the worthy one, the gap closing power of grace. So, if you're here this morning, and you feel like you shouldn't be here, you need to put the cross on it. Can I say that again? If you're here this morning and you feel like there's distance between your performance and God's perfection, you need to put a cross on it. If you made a decision last night that makes you feel like you have to stand at a distance because of the perfection of God and your performance, put a cross on it. If you feel like you shouldn't be here, or that man, you know what, you know somebody who's not here because they think that what they've done has to keep them away from the God who is the only one that can save them, you might need to call them and say, hey, put a cross on it, there's grace for you, the gap has been closed by grace, this story of the prodigal son is Jesus declaring over us, all we have to do is come back. Come on, somebody. All we have to do is come back. That's all we have to do. No matter what you did, all you got to do is come back. No matter what you said, all you have to do is come back. You don't have to work your way into being worthy to come back. Jesus did the work for you so that you could just come back. The cross had the final word. The cross had the final word. Can you stand to your feet? Because I think there's a few of us that need to respond to this promise that we just need to come back that no matter what got us where we are the gap has been closed the distance has been closed